0: He'll take you on. And they're they're about to go have a lot of fun in there. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun in here studying God's Word. So, this morning, we'll be looking at two of the stories that Jesus told, um, as well as the explanation that He gave to His disciples about why He spoke to the crowds in parables. And these two parables are um, not unique, but they are two of the parables that Jesus himself actually explains, uh, which is always great when you can get the authority uh, word explained by the one who gave it. Amen. And so uh, we want to look at those. And so if you've got your Bible, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, um, verses one Through 30 is what we're going to look at today. And if you would stand, if you're able, as I read. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I will heal them. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed? In how then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that we would not be like those Jesus talked about who were dull of hearing and shut their eyes and closed their ears and did not want to understand what he said to them. Father, we long. To know and to understand and worship you well. Father, we don't want the study of your word to be an academic exercise that we do without understanding the purpose. Father, help us to know you through the word that you've given and to be changed thereby. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well this passage, if you look at it, can be divided into four major sections. In the first section, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. And in the second, he answers a question about why he uses parables. And in the third, he explains the parable of the sower to his disciples. And then finally, in the last section, he tells another parable to the crowds whose point is closely related to the first one. And to really understand Jesus' point, here, you have to look at all of these sections of this, of this passage individually, look at them together as a whole. So you look at the first section, on the surface level it's a pretty simple illustration drawn from common experience of Jesus' hearers and the agricultural practices of the day. And the picture is of a farmer sowing seeds by hand, much like you and I might sow grass seed, which I've been trying to do in my yard, in places where it's bare, right? And you go out and you throw the seed out and you just kind of are throwing it. And you're hoping that you'll get rain or the sprinkler will be able to be turned on and it'll it'll grow and sprout and you'll have grass, right? Still got bare spots at my house. Um, But you're you're broadcasting, I call that broadcasting the seed. You're just chucking it out by hand. Now, there are obvious limitations to that method which Jesus points out. And the biggest limitation is that you can't completely control where the seed is going. Amen? And some of it is going to land on, uh, As in Jesus' example, some of the seed falls along the path. That's hard-packed dirt. The fields would have had a path around them so you didn't have to go through them. They kept a path around them And it was a dirt path, but as you have people and animals and so forth walking and traversing over that area, what, what happens? It becomes hard and dry as a brick, right? And nothing is going to grow in that, except weeds maybe. But no grass, no crops are going to grow in something that is hard packed. And so... When it, if it lands there, even good seed, if it lands there, is going to have a hard time taking root and it's easy pickings for the birds. Others, uh, Jesus says, fell on rocky ground where there was enough dirt for the seed to sprout, but nowhere for the roots to grow. And so the seedling died in the first hint of the heat. Others fell in the thorns and got ch- choked out before it could grow fruitful, but some fell on good soil where it grew and produced grain, and varying multiples of the seed that was sown. And if you stop there, without digging any deeper, you might think this is a story without much point. Because uh, you know somebody who's just casually listening to Jesus and who has a basic familiarity with agriculture already understands this. And so you might be tempted to just dismiss Jesus' teaching as, hey, there's another lesson from Captain Obvious down there in Capernaum. I don't know what he's doing there. And to the casual listener, that's how all of Jesus' parables seem. And that's why later on, when the disciples get Jesus alone, they ask Him, why are you teaching the crowd with these stories that are so easily just written off and dismissed? Dismissed. Because wouldn't it be better, Jesus, to just be more direct and tell people exactly what you mean? And that's essentially the question they ask in verse 10 in that next section. Why are you teaching the crowd in parables? And maybe you're wondering the same thing. Uh, Jesus, couldn't you be so much more effective if you just start dropping truth bombs on people? Just tell them, boom, and he just let it fall, right? Look at how Jesus answers the question. First, notice what he says in verse 11. He says the disciples are being given understanding of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven, which he is keeping secret from everyone else. Well, that's interesting. So everyone who comes to understand his teaching has received a gift that other people have not. And you might think that sounds a little bit unfair. Jesus, why are you keeping secrets? I mean, this is life and death. Kingdom of heaven or entry or not. Why are you keeping this stuff a secret? But keep looking. Verse 12 and 13. Jesus explains it's a matter. Being in on the secret is a matter of your response to what you've been given. If you believe and receive what Jesus teaches into your heart, then you get more understanding but if you reject it even the knowledge that you have will not last and so he speaks in parables he says because those who are listening many of those who listen in the crowd refuse to hear the truth to see it revealed in front of them or to understand what it means when they're confronted with it because they've already decided to reject what Jesus says, and who he is. And so that's why he says about them that Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in this people in the crown because they're just like people in Isaiah's day who would not repent and turn to God and embrace the truth they were given. And so they could not, because they would not repent and they would not listen, they could not, Received the truth that they were given, and they therefore could not receive God's healing and forgiveness. Elsewhere in Isaiah, uh, God speaks of these people in Isaiah's day, and he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a stiff necked people. Okay? This is like, uh, those of you who are parents, have you ever had a kid who did this? Who, um, you know, when kids are really little, they think that the world disappears. Whenever they shut their eyes, right? And so you know, you play peekaboo, and they and 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 they're always surprised every time when they can see you again. Like oh, it's magic, right? I mean, little kids are so fun that way, right? When they get older, they start to they, they sometimes they hold on to that same thing and they just go no 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 not listening, right? I can't see you, you know, <laughs> and and. And it's not that they can't see. And it's not that they can't hear. It's that they have a heart that has decided they will not hear and they will not see. Amen? And so so, so in other words, uh, while it might really seem more effective if Jesus just straight up told people the truth, what Jesus is saying here is that He speaks to these people in parables out of compassion for no. them. Remember last week the parable that Jesus told that people will be held accountable for the truth that they know on the day of judgment? Remember that? For what they understand of God and His will and His expectation of them, teaching in parables keeps those who refuse to listen to Jesus from being held as accountable before God as they otherwise would be. In other words, Jesus is saying to His disciples, for people who will not listen, I teach in parables as an act of grace. So that they are not as guilty before God as they otherwise would be. Before we move on, let's not miss verses 16 and 17. Jesus tells the disciples, you are blessed because you see and hear clearly from Him. He says many righteous people from the Old Testament longed for the days of Messiah. And you, my disciples, are experiencing them. You know, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Messiah, but Isaiah lived 800 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He never saw it. Daniel prophesied about the day when Messiah would reign. He lived 450 years at least. Now hang on. When is Daniel? Daniel dies in about 539. Okay? So 539 years before Jesus is born, Daniel dies. He prophesied about the coming of Messiah and he never lived to see it. David wrote about how the Messiah would be His Son. He lived in 1000 B.C. He never saw it. Uh, Abraham was promised a son who would uh, be a blessing to all nations, and he never lived to see it 2,000 years before Jesus came. There were hundreds and even thousands of people who were longing for the days of Messiah to come. And when they came, people in Jesus' own day refused to listen. But Jesus' disciples are blessed because they saw and heard the ministry of Messiah and his teaching. He says, You are blessed. And by the way, that blessing extends to us too because we are among those who have seen Jesus' miracles. And heard about them and heard his teaching, not firsthand as Jesus' original disciples did. But if you're believers in Jesus, then you are a believer in Jesus because you have the blessing of being given eyes that see and ears that hear his teaching and a heart that receives it by the Holy Spirit of God coming into your life. And you are a recipient of this blessing too. Now, the beautiful thing about the parable of the sower is that Jesus himself explains it to us. Some of the parables we get no explanation on. And you just have to dig into the context and, uh, and an understanding of what Jesus' teaching is about and then uh, come to a conclusion about what the point is. But Jesus himself explains it to us. And he doesn't do that in every case, but here he does. And you'll notice the identity of the sower in this parable is not given. Even though Jesus gives an explanation of the parable, he doesn't identify the sower. And I think that's because while in the immediate context Jesus is the sower, as he explains it to his disciples, he is giving them, and he's also giving us, as Jesus' present day disciples, encouragement as they share the gospel. Because as Jesus explains, the seed is the gospel message. It's the message about the coming of Jesus' kingdom. And the four kinds of soils that you see are the four kinds of receptions that the gospel gets as it is sown. When you go out... uh, Men and women, to share the gospel with your friends or your co-workers or your family members or your neighbors or people that you sit next to on an airplane or wherever it is that you go or as you meet with customers that you work with or what have you and you have an opportunity to share the gospel, you're going to get four different kinds of receptions. Sometimes you're going to get people who are flat hardened. Amen? Amen. People who are like, don't be talking to me about that Jesus junk. I don't want anything to do with that. You know what those people are? They are the seed that falls along the path. They're hardened. They've decided not to hear you. And so the Gospel just lays there on the surface of their hard heart and Satan plucks it away like a bird carrying off seed. Other people hear, and they receive it with joy, but they have no root of the gospel in their heart, and so at the first difficulty that they experience, they drop off. Other people receive it, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke it out. They just want other things more than they want Jesus. But, and this is the encouragement that we all need to hear, that there are some who will hear the gospel, who will believe it, be transformed by it, and then yield fruit in varying degrees, 30, 60, 100 times what was given to them in the gospel. And so naturally, this story and Jesus' explanation of it raises a lot of questions for people. One of the biggest questions naturally is, Which of the four types of soil are genuine Christians? Now, if you look at your Bible, you'll see Jesus explains the parable. Does he answer that question? Look at it closely. What do you think? No. Jesus never answers that question. And so Bible scholars and theologians and people who like to argue, (laughs) um, which I repeat myself, but nonetheless, um, they, uh, they come down in different places on this. Some people say, well, only the last guy, the guy who produced fruit, he's a genuine believer. Other people say, no, no, no. Uh, it's only the first guy that's an unbeliever. The other people all are talked about as receiving the gospel, and so they're all believers. All three—you know—it's uh, number two, number three, number four. They're all believers, but you know you can't really account for why they fell off exactly. But that we'll probably see them in heaven. And I don't know where you come down on this. In fact, I'm not entirely certain where Jesus does, because he doesn't answer that question. Because that is not the point of the parable, amen? What is the point of the parable? The point of the parable, as Jesus explains it to his disciples, is that you, as his follower, are who in the story? Not the seed, not the soil, you're the what? You're the sower. And so, as you go out, men and women, into the world, uh, sometimes you get out and you share the gospel with people, and all the people you m- are, all the people you meet are hard as a rock. And you go, man, I just keep sharing the gospel with them, sharing the gospel with them, sharing the gospel with them, and they just keep slamming the door in my face. I just must not be very good at sharing the gospel. No. Jesus told you there'd be people just like that. Or, hey, I shared the Gospel with somebody and it seemed like they believed in Christ, but then like, at like three weeks later, they, they, they were gone. Like, and I talk, tried to talk to them about Jesus and they had no interest anymore. What happened? I don't know. Maybe they were seed that fell among the rocks. I don't know. Pray for them. Keep sharing with them. Well, well, I had this guy and he was with me for a while. And all of a sudden he got a boat. And he had no interest anymore. What happened? I don't know. Jesus told you there's going to be seed that falls among the thorns. Or he got a girlfriend. Or she got a boyfriend. And then all of a sudden, no interest in Jesus anymore. What's you and I's job? To keep chucking seed. Because some will land on good soil and produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what you get. Amen? That's the point. Throw the seed and do not get discouraged. Or as Paul says it, In uh, Galatians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 9, he says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Right? So somebody may be hardened today, and the Spirit of God has to do some work so the seed of the gospel can penetrate their heart. Maybe they're rocky today, and the Holy Spirit has to run his rototiller through there a few times, right? I've seen that happen. Sometimes they they need to be cultivated first by the Spirit of God before they can really become the good soil that the gospel takes deep roots in and bears fruit, right? But my job is not to evaluate. My job is to share. And my job is not to get discouraged in the process of doing what Jesus called me to do, but faithful to it until he calls me home or he comes to get me, one or the other. Right? But you always go out with your boots on as a believer do in the ministry until the end. Now, um, look at verses 24 to 30. Jesus tells another parable. He also gives the explanation for this one. We won't read that part of the text, but it is there in chapter 13 also, verses 36 to 43. He explains this part of it. Here's the second parable. um, That... If you look at verses 24-30, to you see the parable of the weeds. It's similar to the parable of the sower, but the details are different even as it makes a related point. And Jesus, uh, as I said, explains it. Let me summarize it for you. The parable is this. A man sowed good seed in his field, but while his men slept, his enemy came and sowed weeds in the field also. And soon after... As the plants came up, the wheat came up, so did the weeds. And so the servants naturally want to go out and pull all the weeds. But the master tells them, wait till the harvest. And then the reapers will sort them all out. He will burn they will burn the weeds and they'll move the grain into the barn. And then Jesus gives the explanation. He says, he is the sower, the field is the world, the good seed are believers in Christ, the enemy is Satan, the weeds are those who belong to Satan, and the reapers are the angels. The harvest is the end when the angels sort out those who belong from those who have rejected him, and believers enter into Jesus' kingdom. But the unbelievers who who belong to Satan and who have rejected Christ are cast with him into hell. Why does Jesus tell this story? Well, to answer that question, you have to first answer this one. Who are the servants of the Master? Jesus doesn't directly answer that. Putting the pieces together is pretty obvious they are Jesus' disciples. Including you and me. Why does Jesus tell this story? Because his followers, down to the present day, are just like people in this story who are inclined to go forth pulling weeds. You feel me? Karen and I, as you know, moved into a new house this last fall, October. We took possession of this new house. And and they had um, the potential to have beautiful gardens. They had flower beds, they had uh, this terrace uh, down the hillside and so forth, and we could tell that nobody had taken good care of it in a while. And one of the ways we could tell is that they had turned part of the terrace flower bed into a chicken run, and that there were trees growing up through the wire uh, on the chicken run, and we were like, I wonder what's actually growing in there, right? Right? So this spring I took down the chicken house, took down the chicken run, pulled all the wire off of the terrace um, and began to cut back trees that I could see. And then we left it. You know why? We had no idea what's in there. And what we began to discover is we had daffodils and we had coneflowers, we had lily of the valley, we had... Uh, Asiatic lilies. We had all these things that were growing in there we had no idea. Right Now my inclination was to get in there with the rototiller and just plow everything under and start over, <laughs> right? But if I had done that, what would I have missed? All the flowers. Amen? So here's what Jesus is telling us. If you go out into the church pulling up everything that you think looks like a weed, you might uproot wheat before it has a chance to come to fruition. Because here's the thing, you may not notice this, but the word that's translated weeds here in the ESV is traditionally translated tares. And the tare refers to a specific type of weed called the darnel. And what it is, is a weed that looks just like wheat right up until it gets a head on it. And then you go, well, that's not wheat. That's a weed. Right? But it looks just identical until the harvest comes. And then you can tell easily the difference between what is weeds and what is wheat. But you can't tell initially So, point being that there will be weeds mixed in among God's people. In every church, you're going to encounter some people who you're going to go, hmm, are they a believer? I don't know. Because the thing is, is that an immature Christian and an unbeliever sometimes look very much similar to one another. And so you don't want to in your um, zeal to uproot weeds tear up the wheat that God is causing to grow. Amen. When everything is ripe, God will sort out the wheat from the weeds and it will be easy to tell the difference. And in the meantime, God's wheat is growing despite the weeds that Satan sowed. So, how do we respond to the truth that we've been given today? I think there are three important ways. Number one, and this this is important regardless of where we are in the text, but particularly today, when Jesus tells us these things that you have to you must respond to the gospel the gospel has gone out continually to every single person in this room I know that in many 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 cases it has fallen on good soil because I see abundant fruit in so many of your lives but if you are one of the people who have heard it maybe you've heard it for the first time today Or maybe it's for the thousandth time because you've been here for a while. Don't turn away from the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins as your substitute. And He was raised from the dead to give you new life. His death paid for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And if you will put your trust in Him, you will receive eternal life freely as a gift from your heavenly Father. You will be forgiven. You will be welcomed into membership in God's own family. And so do not pardon yourself to the Gospel. Instead, let the Gospel sink deeply into your heart and allow Lord to make it grow like crazy in there with group with deep roots that produce great fruitfulness in your life. Do not harden yourself to the gospel. Receive it, welcome it, believe it. Put your trust in Jesus Christ who died for you and was raised from the dead to give you new life that begins now and lasts forever. Secondly, if you are a believer you must we must as a church especially as we enter into this is the fall this is one of my favorite times of year it's when all the stuff starts again right we start we 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 spin up a wanna and small groups and discipleship groups and uh and mops and women's bible studies and men's bible studies and all that stuff gets going again and it's a tremendously exciting time for me I hope it's an exciting time for y'all as well. Uh, but there's all of these new things that are happening, and a big part of all of them is is sowing the gospel in people. And so, it's is it, there are opportunities to invite people to participate with you in various things, opportunities for you to share the gospel with them, and and you can become easily discouraged sometimes. I can. You can too. When we proclaim the gospel to somebody and you see a lot of hard soil or a lot of rocky ground or you see a lot of thorns choking out the gospel that you've sowed in somebody's life. But keep sowing. Because the gospel is still powerful. And it will, as you continue to sow, land on good soil. It will. So don't give up. Do not believe Satan's lie that nobody wants to hear this. Do not believe that. There are people who desperately want to hear about how to have a new life. And you and I are ambassadors of the Lord God of heaven to tell them exactly how. Don't give up. Don't believe the lie that our culture and your friends and your family are all simply hard soil that will never grow anything. Because here's what I found out, y'all. The gospel grows in surprising people and produces radical transformation. People you would never expect. How many of y'all had money on Justin Bieber knowing the living God? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or Kanye West coming to faith in Jesus, right? I mean, this kind of thing, you go, really? How about? Right? I wouldn't have put it, I might have put some of y'all's money, but none of my own on that, right? Gospel finds surprising people in which it grows. Keep throwing the gospel. Sowing it wide. And number three, don't try to uproot every weed that you see because some of what you're seeing is just immature wheat. People grow at different rates. And it's hard to tell sometimes what is a weed and what is wheat. And God will sort it out fully and finally. But in the meantime, be patient and gracious with people. Remember that even when we exercise church discipline, and we do that sometimes, I'm serious when when I tell our new members that we will hold them to account for what they have vowed. We're serious about that. We're serious about our membership covenant. We're serious about living in submission to the Word of God. And if you are a full member of Chillicothe Bible Church and you wander off, into serious sin, you can expect that your shepherds here will come try to gather you back to the flock. We're serious about that. We mean that. Jesus is serious about it. But our goal is not to punish people. Our goal is to help people grow. It is to help them be restored to full fellowship as a person who is a a brother or a sister. But in the meantime, be patient and encourage growth and faithfulness in everybody. Because you don't know where people are at. Sometimes there's a radical transformation and all kinds of real... just drop away easily. Sometimes it takes a while for sins that have got deep roots in somebody's life. To finally be killed all the way. Be patient. Be gracious. Just as you would want people to be gracious with you. Don't be too hasty to rip out what God may have planted. Amen? So, with all that in mind, let's pray and let's sing. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that you have sown the gospel in us and then given us the ministry of sowing the gospel in other people. Father, we pray that if there's a person here who has not received the gospel and seen it grow into into fruitfulness in their life, that today would be the day that they receive it. And Father, I pray that you would break up the hard ground. Clear the rocks and the thorns from anyone who um, hasn't experienced the full joy of complete transformation in Jesus. Father, I pray we'd be patient with those who are still maturing. And Father, I pray we'd be bold and sharing with everyone that needs to hear the saving message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sin. Died in their place. Was raised from the dead to give new life to everyone who believes. Help us be faithful in our mission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.